This podcast is designed for you to discover more about who you are, to challenge your old adopted beliefs, and to expand your awareness of what's really possible. I'm Adam Esco, and this is The Unspoken Agreements. Before we get to our amazing guests, I want to share a bit about myself. My name is Adam Esco, and I work as a transformational coach. I get to work with people in the workplace, people that come to me feeling burnt out, feeling frustrated, feeling low energy towards what they're doing every single day. I help them get clear on what they really want, help them feel empowered, help them feel free, and help them feel re-energized. I truly believe we could all feel this way and we all deserve to feel this way. It is our birthright. If this is something that you want for yourself or for a loved one, please feel free to reach out to me at adam at eskow coaching.com. I also want to take some time to thank you for listening and subscribing to the podcast. There are many options out there for content absorption, so I'm really grateful that you decided to be here with us today. Now, I am fired up to introduce Shasta Townsend and Ian Lavalle. Shasta and Ian are married entrepreneurs and creators of the Income and Intimacy Equation. They have a healthy obsession with helping business leaders create a relationship that fuels their success. They are truly experts. They teach businessmen and women how to create more money, how to have better sex, and how to create a deeply satisfying life business, and marriage. I've listened to their podcast called Sexcellence, and it is freaking awesome and real, and I encourage you to check that out on iTunes. So in this episode, you're going to hear a lot. You're going to hear how shame and guilt are wrapped into sexuality and intimacy and where this even came from. We also get into how your vulnerability and your willingness to ask for what you want can influence your intimate relationship. We get into how mental stories, stories you may have about yourselves or stories you may have about your partner that you're even unaware of can sabotage your intimacy and sex life. You'll hear why it's important to develop intimacy outside the bedroom in order to get what you want inside the bedroom. Finally, we also talk about why people in long-term relationships start to grow apart and what specific ways you can keep your intimate connection strong. Enjoy the episode. All right. It is so, so, so great. And I'm so excited to have Shasta Townsend and Ian Lavalle on the podcast. These two are absolutely amazing people. They are experts in sex, in intimacy, in providing real connection in relationships, as well as leading entrepreneurs and people through getting their own self-awareness. I'm just thrilled to have you guys on here. And before we get going, I want to a thank you for being here and taking the time to do that. And two, give everyone a backstory on how we met. We were in Atlanta at a conference, the Art of Success Summit, and 
the conference was about to start. We had maybe a couple hours up to it. And I'm in the hotel. I've got my shorts and my gym shirt on. I'm looking for the fitness room. And I see these two people. I didn't know who they were at the time. They were Shasta and Ian. And I see Shasta, I think you had your gym clothes on. And Ian, you just looked like a guy who knew where things were. Uh, this, here's this confident guy. So I start going up to them and I ask them, hey, guys, you know where the, the gym is? And you're like, yeah, it's, it's going to be, I believe I saw it. I think, Ian, you were saying it's through the doors here, about 50 yards out of the building into the next building. And I mean, there's just so much credibility in the way you speak because I bought into that full boat. I actually ran ahead of you guys and and walked into there only to realize that uh, there was a gym in the building and we had to walk back. So, um, but it was great because then we got to get to know each other a little bit and uh, I got to explore the outside area. So I say that because today is going to be a great day for for me to explore with you two and like I just said before we queued on the mics I feel like I'm a sixth or seventh grader who gets to go back in time who didn't know what to ask in sex ed which I don't even know what I learned in sex ed uh, to these absolute wonderful people who happen to be experts in the field and and here's where I think would be a great place to start so many people including myself don't feel like we could have a real open true conversation about sex and intimacy with our friends, with our family, and oftentimes with our partner. Why do you think that is? So first, thanks for having us, Adam, and uh, everyone that's listening. And, you know, it's such an important topic. And it's true. You know, you say there's so many questions that we didn't have answered. We didn't even know to ask them as children and young adults or even as adults. And now as we step into, you know, intimate relationships and we all have a lot of questions, let's be honest. And the issue is, and I'm going to answer your question, but the issue is that a lot of us are turning to resources that aren't actually all that helpful or fulfilling. You know, a lot of um, a lot of people are turning to porn and hardcore porn in order to get answers about sexuality and intimacy. And let's be realistic that that is not what, you know, intimate connected sex looks like. And it's not really the beautiful, spiritual, and even desirous, passionate expression for man, woman, whatever your sexual, you know, persuasion is. So why is it that we have so much you know, why are we still really in the dark ages around sex in our culture? It's because we have been shamed about sexuality for thousands of years. And one of the ways that people are controlled in our culture, you know, mentally controlled and emotionally controlled, and then of course, in our life is through shame and guilt. And what better way to shame and guilt people than to actually make the very natural, beautiful, creative, inherent expression of sexuality, sexual desire, sexual connection, something that's dirty or pornographic or inappropriate. So it's to really, you know, one of the things that Ian, do, Ian and I do is we really look at like, what are the paradigms and belief systems that we have? about life and relationship, men, women, sexuality, because we're all swimming in this ocean of belief and 
it's false. It's totally false. It came out of, you know, very specific religious paradigm that's thousands of years old. And we're still allowing it to govern our internal world as well as our external world. So, you know, that's the the simple truth is we're just totally ashamed about it and totally, um, you know, there's misinformation about really what, what is sexuality and the power of sexuality. And that's been trained out of us. And so that's, you know, the work that Ian and I stand for so deeply is to, to really reclaim that whole human and, and reclaim the power of sexuality. What Chas was saying there is really the, um, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, the way to control a, a society as a whole is, is through um, shame and guilt for actually your authentic expression, whether it be sexuality or any of your wants and desires. It's funny because you guys are so aware of that internally and now you're able to see that externally from just looking out into society. When you, I'm curious, when you're talking with your clients or someone that's interested and they just see it as a certain way that they grew up with, hey, this is something that we talk about, this is something that we don't talk about, this is something that's okay to do, this is something that's wrong or not okay to do. How do you start to open people up into, well, where, where does that come from? Well, I think it was um, really where it started for us was we started to um, diagnose our life and how we got to where we were and the results we were getting and really how we were being with one another was actually a total lack of self-expression to one another which was directly related to our intimacy and our results in our financial business. So really to open it up with someone, a client or anybody is really just to ask them, you know, what results are they getting? What do they want? And just start from an honest heart focused um, point where you're actually in a total practice of non-judgment of what anybody wants because everybody's going to have a different expression and i think that's the what we do with people is actually give them the freedom to express a need a want or desire free from judgment for like free from the outside world and judgment you know i think the thing also as ian is saying is that you know, you said it right off the bat, Adam, is that regardless of what repression or judgment or belief system, you know, we, we grew up in, there is actually this implicit and inherent desire in, like, we believe every human that at the very base level is maybe curiosity and at the deepest level, uh, a soulful, heartfelt, passionate desire for more in their life. So, sexuality then isn't something that it's almost like we create the container for people to just ask the questions to open up. And as Ian said, to actually really like heart heartfully and hopefully and non-judgmentally look at the results that they're getting in their life. And there's no question that whether it's your bank account, it's your personal relationship, it's your relationship with your children, it's your sense of self. You know, if we have judgments, shame blocks, repression in any of those areas, and especially coming out of our 
personal identity and sexual identity, it's going to affect the results in all those areas. So, you know, it, it's actually, it, it can feel like this big mountain to climb, I think, for people. But the truth is, is that this stuff can actually unwind really quickly and really uh, almost gracefully and joyfully and passionately with the right, you know, with the right support and the right teachers. And as you said, you know, Ian, um, you know, Ian and I transformed our relationship, transformed our businesses. You know, I, I want to say almost overnight. It wasn't quite overnight, but it was like really a shift in our uh, judgment and stories about ourselves and each other. And it actually transformed really, really quickly. And that's, you know, what we help people do now. And so if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh, my God, this feels like climbing Mount Everest. You know, that's actually part of what's keeping you stuck in anything is feeling like such a slog and it doesn't have to be a slog and as Ian said you know it's to really look at the results that I have in my life and then ask yourself like am I really okay staying in this place you know for another month year 10 years whatever it might be I'm just reflecting on for a minute the stigma around the things I would hear over the many years you know anything from oh they should get you you know two people or when you're the group of people and you see others um, getting physical or intimate in public and people would say, oh, they should get a room or PDA or even if someone would start talking about someone else in a sexual or, or intimate way and you would hear things like, oh, that's TMI. I'm just using some old phrases from when I was younger that may have shaped my initial thinking of like, oh, this is something that we shouldn't do or this is something that we shouldn't say. Uh, and then even now you'd hear about, you know, what's the right amount of desire to, to get physical? You know, I feel like, again, going back to this, this judgment thing that many of us don't really take the time to think about where it came from, like you were saying in the origins from thousands of years ago from a religious standpoint and other societal standpoint. And it's like, you know, it's okay to want to have sex this way. It's not okay to want sex that way. And I know Ian, you talked about uh, what porn is and, and what porn is not. And that's something that you guys talk very openly on your podcasts. It just kind of goes into all of these unaware stigmas and I don't feel like it's really serving us. Can can you share a little bit more about where we get lost in that type of thinking? Well, for me, I think uh, I got lost in that type of thinking was really just getting stuck in a family pattern and what was what was okay what was okay for you know my family. I know one um, I spoke a little bit about it on our podcast, and you know my dad and I had a pretty open conversation about what was um what sex was and what it was okay to um uh experience or um feel with a partner and i think re really it is though you, people get stuck in a family pattern or peer group pattern or whether it be like you know elementary school high school university um you you really just start to follow the followers and be in be with what's okay in that group and you actually shape all of your beliefs and and 
systems of being through that developmental age in your life. And the problem is none of us ever ask any questions or ask for permission for something different. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And the idea of asking for what you want or asking for what you need, even from a partner to partner standpoint, can be very difficult for some people because there's that fear of, well, one, they could reject you or judge you. Um, how do you work with people through that? And what would you what would you say is another way to approach that? And why is it so important to develop trust and ask for what you need in a relationship? Yeah, it's really one of the you know foremost questions, and it's also this you know almost like inherent human fear of being vulnerable and reject feeling rejection or abandonment and yet our ability to one have enough self-esteem to first actually get clear on what we want and for many humans you know many i think for us certainly you know years ago and a lot of the people that we work with and these that can be very successful entrepreneurs very successful um you know, professionals. And yet when it comes to things like, what do I really want my life to look like? What do I want my relationship to look like? My sex life, my family life. Uh, often as Ian said, you know, we're following the followers because that's really how many of us have been conditioned. Now we can't blame anybody, but we have to decide at one point in our life to really step into adulthood and take responsibility and say, as this adult, you know, one, I need to get clear on what I really do want in my life. And that takes, I think, a certain amount of courage to do that in a culture that really uh, applauds mediocrity and struggle. But to also then say, I, I really have one life in this body, and I want it to be mine, you know, I want it to be my own life. And to really ask, you know, what legacy do I also want to pass on to my children, which is a whole other discussion here as well. But so the first, you know, the first part is we have to have the ability, the courage, the self-esteem, the desire to say, I, I am willing to look at what I really want, because that is not a selfish thing. That's actually a very spiritual, uh, fulfilling, and also giving thing to other people in our lives. And why I say that is that then it means, you know, the second part is to really understand that true authentic relationships are based on honesty, trust, and transparency. And that then becomes a relationship that's very powerful and loving truthfully in your life rather than being in relationships where, you know, there's a level of inauthenticity, there's a level of even like scapegoating or blaming our partner and fear and in any relationship regardless of the person's emotional intelligence we can feel that you know you can tell when you're having a conversation with somebody and they're not really telling you what the truth is and that's a that's a very challenging way to live so the first, you know when we work with people i think it's it, i mean so much of our work is really helping people even just give themselves permission you know as ian said earlier and the permission to want more the permission to ask questions the permission to learn the skills and so 
it's one, anytime someone says to us, you know, I have unmet needs in my relationship, I always ask them, like, have you actually tried to talk to your partner about this? And I'll tell you, 99% of the time, the answer is no, I'm so uncomfortable. And I get it, you know, when we've been there, but it's like, you have to be willing to actually look at where is your discomfort coming from? What's the story about that? Learn to shift the mindsets and belief systems inside yourself, which as we said, can actually happen really quickly. And then to just learn the skills and the skills side of it, you know, there's so much focus in our culture around communication skills. But the truth is we all really do know how to communicate. We do know how to talk about things, but we're not willing to. So then it becomes a question of like, well, why, why would you really not be willing to do, you know, the, the, the freeing work of having a conversation with your lover or partner or whomever it is in your life. And that has to start with us as individuals. You know, what, what again are the stories that we're telling ourselves about ourselves and about our partner? And, you know, in my own life, I look at, you know, I had a story about Ian for a really long time in our relationship. We've been together for almost 20 years. And in the earlier part, I was like, oh, you know, he doesn't want to hear from me. Uh, he gets reactive about things. He won't get it. And that was a total story that I was telling about him that actually allowed me to stay quote unquote safe. I didn't have to be vulnerable. I didn't have to confront my own internal bullshit. I didn't have to look at the story I grew up in around men and marriage and I totally was holding him almost as my like persecutor, like he's the reason that I can't do this. And it was, it was total BS. And yeah, were there some things that we needed to work out in our relationship and skill sets and mindsets we needed to shift 100%. But I wasn't even giving him the opportunity to do that. And it's so interesting, because when I made a shift, it was like, it literally so it was like he was waiting for the permission, like he was waiting for the invitation for me to say, hey, you know, I have been looking at how I've been showing up and how the story I have about you and this is about a change and I'm willing to take responsibility for that. Are you willing to have a conversation with me about that, what you want? And honestly, Adam, like it was, it was so fast. And then it became a matter of, like I said, shifting our own belief system and supporting each other in that. But I think, again, like people make this, we have this big story about how hard it has to be and how unwilling our partner is. And if your partner is actually that unwilling to have a conversation with you, then the, then the other viewpoint is like, why are you in partnership with them? And, you know, we're very transparent about that too. You know, if this person isn't willing to hear you out or be open, then that's actually not partnership either. But most of the time, you know, 99% of the time, it really is we as the, the one that doesn't, isn't speaking up, <laughs> you know, um, it's looking at the patterns and beliefs that we have about that. And most of the time we see partners are more than willing to step into that as a long answer, but it's an important Oh, I love that. Every bit of that, that was just wrapped with the importance. What I heard from that was just how important it is to shift to a non-judgment place, for, not only for your partner, for, for yourself in order to have the courage and have the ability to be vulnerable to and give yourself, like you both said so eloquently, permission to ask for what you need. And it really starts with that. And it's funny you say the word 
selfish and you know selfish gets a bad rap a lot of times but you know selfishness if you could if you really in the way that we're kind of thinking of it is is really a gift to be authentically yourself you know to ask for what you need is isn't really selfish it's really authentic and it's really natural and i love the way you you said that uh one thing i want to to ask you guys about, and I know you talk a lot about this on your podcast, which I really encourage everyone to listen to. Uh, the Sexcellence podcast will talk about that at the end and, and put in the show notes. Is you talk about the importance of developing intimacy starting outside the bedroom. And I want to know if you could share a little bit more about why that is so important. And secondarily, to stack questions. Uh, what kind of things can be done outside the bedroom to build that connection with your partner? All right. That's a great question. And really Shas and I started to build the intimacy outside of the bedroom when like we got honest and Shasta, we had the, had the honest conversations, the real conversations and actually gave me the chance to meet her in that spot. So really our intimacy outside of the bedroom started with the open conversation and the trust in one another, which really just amplified desire and our sexual connection. And outside of the bedroom, we, we really ask ourselves like all the time in our sexual life, in our professional life, what is important to us? Like why is a particular experience important to us and why? Why is it important? Like what, like what, what helps create intimacy in the bedroom is knowing why that that's important to, to me as a partner for Shasta or her as a partner, like feeling that connection in the bedroom or feeling um, that she, you know, she has me all the time, like has my back and I have her. So really it goes back to trust. And the communication that creates the intimacy, intimacy outside the bedroom that you take into the bedroom. Yeah, I would. I'm just going to chime in here because it's such a it's a huge part of our teachings. Um, I think it's to really understand that one part of this is people like to silo off aspects of themselves in their life. So they're like, well, here I am in my professional self, or here I am in my you know, I'm my motherly self. Here I am in my sexual self. Here I am as a wife. And the truth is that we never, we never can do that. And if there is a judgment or a dysfunction or mistrust in any aspect of our life or our relationship, it's going to translate into, you know, every other aspect. And so often, you know, in relationship, intimate relationship or marriages, committed relationship, people are not necessarily fostering the level of, as Ian said, you know, trust and, and stability and unshakable connection before they get into the bedroom. So then they're in the bedroom and they're like, okay, well, let's do this thing, you know, like let's get turned on and like satisfy each other or whatever it is. And I actually, you know, I, I argue that whether you're male or female, the ability to open up, to express yourself, to 
being taken to take another, it actually requires a huge amount of trust and vulnerability. And if I don't feel that way about you when we're grocery shopping or when we're parenting our kids or driving down the highway, and this is whether you're male or female, it's going to be way harder for me, like nearly impossible to feel that connection, that passion for you, you know, and that willingness to actually open up and have a very, whether it's a physical, spiritual, mental connection, you know, and the other thing is, if there's unsaid things and and resentment, anger, frustration in other parts of our marriage or relationship, you know, I'm not going to want to have like get intimate with that person. And certainly there's, you know, sex is just physical gratification. But I think there's also this, this idea that this, this expression of sexuality and sex can actually be a way of deepening your marriage or relationship and also deepening your own self-esteem and personal expression. But if that is troubled outside of the bedroom, then it's going to be very challenging to do that in the bedroom. So, you know, it's so interesting. And, and we are also advocates that you make time for intimacy and sexual connection because it will actually help foster more connection, trust in the rest of your life. But, you know, just to answer also the, the second part of your question was like, well, how do I start to do this? How do I start to deepen trust and intimate connection before I even get to the bedroom? One, I think it's to understand that this is the reality of how it happens, that it's it's not just a biological expression that that mentally and emotionally whether you're male or female i'm i'm way over this male um this really outdated male paradigm that men only want to have sex for connect for you know they only want connection in order to have sex i don't believe that at all i think that both men and women really fundamentally crave connection intimacy and sexual expression and I have experienced, you know, in our own relationship, we talk very transparently about this, that even when Ian felt more supported and seen and loved, there was sexual expression and intensity that opened up for him. So we can't say that this is only a female thing. But again, back to your question about how do we do this? One is to really look at, you know, how am I interacting and being with my partner outside of the bedroom? You know, am I critical? Do I judge things? Do I not speak about things? Am I holding on to anger, resentment, frustration? Are we playing on the same team or do I see this person as my adversary? And certainly in any relationship, there's times where you drive each other bananas, but this is like, what's the tone of my relationship? You know, how am I really seeing this person? So that is, is, and we say to people like, you can, you can shift that right away. It's as I said earlier, the, the fastest and most effective thing that you can do is actually ask yourself, what story do I have about my partner? And then your mind, you know this, Adam, like our mind looks for evidence to say, yeah, you know, they're not on my side or they do belittle me or they, and I'm not saying that these aren't things that need to be addressed. But as I said, you know, I had a real specific story about Ian that he, you know, basically didn't, didn't get it. And I would look for evidence. And as soon as I shift that, everything shifted in our relationship. And then the second thing that I would say is, you know, I don't think there's any shame in getting real support around these things. And to say, what what's the internal work that I need to do and so that I do feel safe and loved and 
vulnerable because I think almost every human also fears love and fears being vulnerable. And this is our deep work in the world as humans and spiritual beings to open that up and to invite your partner to do the same thing. And as I said, again, you know, 99% of the times, if you're in, you're in a relationship that's that really a loving based on love, the person is going to want to do that as well. So, you know, what for again, just first thing, look at the story you have about your partner and take radical responsibility for who you're being and the story you have about them. And the second thing is then to say, like, what do I need to do in order to actually show up as that loving, powerful, passionate force for my partner? And and vice versa. So then it becomes easy. And I think, you know, the other thing that Ian and I have always actually made a dedication to more than anything is that we really nurture our friendship. And the times in our life where we were disconnected, we were living more like roommates, we were not acting like friends. We were acting like the stereotypical married folks who didn't actually create a lot of time for each other, didn't have honest communication and didn't nurture our friendship. And the interesting thing is I wouldn't actually treat my friends the way that I was treating him at the time. And I think that we can lose sight of that in our culture that we really take for granted the person that we're in a committed relationship to. And I always look at him and I'm like, you know, first and foremost, like I am your friend. I totally have your back. I do love you unconditionally. And I think it just, and then when I feel that way about him, like he just totally has me, then I can kind of relax about everything. And, you know, it's, it's a really wonderful, almost like landing pad to be, especially when we are entrepreneurs or we're creators or we're, you know, doing big things in the world to really have that, that person that, you know, has your back. And that's like, that's totally sexy. That's like, this person totally has me and desires me and sees the truth in who I am. Like what's not to get turned on about, about so that. Awesome. That's so <laughs> freaking awesome. Uh, it's like, you know, I, I've, I've been with my wife and I'm, that's funny. I'm trying to remember this, but like, I'm going to just say 12 years. Uh, we've been married maybe for six or seven years. Uh, don't, don't kill me if you're listening to this and it happens to be eight. Um, and I know you guys have been together for what, about 17 years you said on your, on your podcast. Yep. Yep. 17 years. We've known each other for, uh, 22 working, working on 23 years. Wow. And the stigma and the bubble and the voices that I hear in the messages and Shasta, you talk about the story and the story that I've had in my mind is, Oh, well, you know, the longer you've been married or the longer you've been with your partner, it's just everything kind of goes downhill and that's just the way it is. And, you know, you just got to accept it. And then I listen to the two of you and I'm not saying that it's easy and you've put so much work into it. And maybe it is easy. That could be another story. And you hear about what's possible. And I just think, you know, before you two and before people like you that were sharing what's possible very authentically, the more I thought, well, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I didn't even know what was possible. And so many of us go around with this idea that we just have to accept and settle for, hey, you've, maybe we've got kids now and there's more responsibility. And that's, tr that's real. 
but it doesn't mean that it has to come at the expense of your relationship and the depth of love and what's possible in an intimate uh, setting with that. And, and I'm sure you guys have come across a lot of people that, that feel along the same lines as that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think everybody we, everybody we talk to or everybody we work with has, um, has that particular story. Like it just, you, you know, you, you meet, you fall in love, you spend a few years together and everything is bliss. And, and then it's just a a natural occurrence that you're going to grow apart or separate or have different ideas about what loses spark. That's a great one. Um, about what relationship would look, should look like. And really is it, that's just a, uh, ages old societal pattern that, you know, that people are playing out also. And just the difference is when I got to the point where we were, you know, we, we weren't actually, you know, best friends anymore. We were kind of just playing out the, the roles of being married and, you know, kind of roommates and, you know, meeting for dinner every now and then and at home, um, we actually um, decide, we made a decision that that's not what we wanted our life to look at like. And we took the opportunity to heal together because all of us are walking around with a few hurts or judgments or shames that we're taking in the past that are just stuck in our subconscious. And we just, decided we were going to write our own story and heal together and not play by the ages old story of what relationships should look like based on, you know, what we've seen families do or what, what the society says, Oh, it's just natural that you're going to, you know, grow apart or, you know, different interests. I think the other part to this too is, you know, we are huge teachers and examiners as Ian said of like all these, stories and has and as you brought it up adam like this kind of subconscious belief and programming that like things just get worse with time and but the other part that i would bring to this is again we're like huge teachers of responsibility so those that really understand how your brain and biochemistry actually works so when you meet somebody and you feel that physical or sexual attraction to them you're getting like massive hits in the brain you know, hits of serotonin and, and oxytocin, that's like, it, it's super addictive and stimulating. And then over time, this is how the human brain works, is that as we experience things, we don't get those same hits. So then you're, you'll actually start to tell yourself a story like, ah, this person doesn't really do it for me anymore. We look for things to actually like get irritated and pissed off about, which there's lots to find in any moment. And Instead of saying, you know, I need to take responsibility for actually keeping the fire alive here. I need to say, yeah, there's a story in our culture, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I have to take responsibility for my desire and know how I'm wired. So one of the things that, even back to one of your, your earlier questions about how do you create intimacy, one of the things that we teach people and that we do with each other is we actually look for a reason to get turned on by each other like we look for the good in each other and that is one it feels lovely to just do that to look for the good in your partner um but and to look for a reason to get 
you know, turned on and desirous and passionate about somebody. Because so often, again, we're wired to look for the what's going wrong in our life. Most of us have been raised that way and that's a big cultural conditioning. And so one of the things that you can do to actually like instantaneously rewire your brain, which will actually rewire your body, you'll actually feel more passion for your partner and for you know, life itself is actually look for reasons to get turned on. And when you first meet somebody and you fall in love with them, you're like, you, you don't have to tell yourself, Oh, I have to think about this person. or I have to look for all the things that like turn me on about this person. But over time, you know, it, it, we could, that kind of erodes. So then it becomes a conscious decision to say, I'm going to look for reasons to feel good about this person. I'm going to look for reasons to love this person. I'm going to look for reasons to feel desirous of this person. And I also have to take the other thing that often happens in relationship is people really fall back into almost like complacency in how they're showing up for their partner. You know, I love, there's a great movie um, with Steve Carell and, and what's um, it called? Great. Crazy stupid love. Crazy stupid love, and and you know, at one point, it's he he's told by his mentor, who's Ryan Gosling, like you know, you lost sight of who you are as a man and a husband, and I think that that happens all the time that we lose sight of who we are as women or men, and we really just fall into this complacent place rather than saying, I want this person to find me desirous. I want this person to also want to get out of, you know, bed and, and do things with me and then get back into bed with me. And so often we feel actually like I shouldn't have to work anymore for this relationship. And that is terribly immature and entitled behavior. And it will be disastrous. And it, this can actually all be pretty uh, easeful creation. But I think, you know, you're making a good point, Adam, that we do fall into this belief of like, well, we're just going to end up you know, basically hating each other. And that's terrible. I don't want to spend my life that way. And I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you don't want to either. And and these are, you know, great questions you're asking, but also really powerful ways of shifting things fast. And I know you guys, the thing that you preach from the, the things that I've heard you both speak on is how powerful taking responsibility is. And when I heard you talk about that on your podcast, I had when I heard that at first, I was like, wow, yes, I have been rewiring my mind and being responsible of my thinking in so many aspects of my life. But I hadn't really considered that until you mentioned it in terms of how I show up for my partner and in an intimate way or in a uh, in a trust way. I mean, it was just a new way of of thinking and Again, taking personal responsibility, not in a blaming sense. I'm not, you know, like you're you're not preaching to to start blame your sense, but how do you want to think about, like you said, what are the good things that you see your partner? What are the good things or attributes you see in your partner? You know, just the little things that you could to start to refocus on and rewire on both mentally and physically to train your body mind i think that was just so brilliant and i I was really grateful to listen to that and it kind of opened me up to something new so the last the last thing i want to get to before before we conclude is you mentioned a little bit during this podcast about how do you talk to your children and when you had that little snippet earlier in the podcast i would something came up to me it's like holy crap i have a four and a half 
and a two and a half and one on the way. And I had never thought about the day where I actually had to get in these conversations when my kids get older about how to communicate about love, how to communicate about uh, having the conversation of what what sex or what intimacy or what real deep emotional connection looks like other than just trying to model it as best I can. How do you coach people on having these conversations with kids that are either at the same age or older on or at really at any level? Well, I think the thing that you said, uh, you know, in your question is one, children are definitely picking up on our modeling. So we know that we form the basis of our beliefs about anything in life, you know, from zero to seven. And so how do we begin to form those subconscious beliefs? It's repeated exposure, which is what we see our parents doing. Uh, the modeling that we see is very profound, actually, and really does establish a, you know, a neural network uh, belief system. And then then there's also the conscious creation, which is what your question really is about. And uh, I know Ian has had actually some great information from his father around this. I didn't get any <laughs> any information, which was fine. Um, but I think the thing that we always say to people is, one, if you have not dealt with your own shame or judgment or fear of sexuality, one, you're going to model that anyways, and you're going to project it in any conversation you have with your kids. So if you're really serious about not passing on the legacy of shame, dissatisfaction, frustration, divorce, whatever it might be, is to really say, you know, I need to do the work to, to clear that because my kids are going to pick up on it anyways. And two, I'm going to project it in any conversation I have with them. And then I think, you know, then it's really the tool of having a conversation around the power and the potential and maybe even the practicalities of love and sex. You know, I had, when I wrote my book, I interviewed a woman, it was really interesting, and she, it was astounding. She actually gave her daughter not only advice on intimacy and orgasm, but she actually gave her a vibrator on her 16th birthday and said, go and learn how to use this and learn how to actually create, you know, pleasure and satisfaction for yourself as a woman. And I was like, whoa, that is, I felt actually a little triggered. And then I was like, well, what's that about? You know, that's my own shame and judgment. And then it's like, how powerful to actually give, you know, a young woman the tools of, of, of her own sexual power. I mean, how, what if we lived in a world like that? How cool would that be? So I'm not saying y'all need to go out and like buy your children sex toys. So please do not mishear that. I'm just saying that I think, again, you know, it's really looking at at the, you know, at the at a meaningful age, which is becoming younger and younger in our culture because of the exposure to, um, you know, sexual imagery and just the, the higher level of almost like sexual promiscuity in, in our culture. And I don't have a judgment about that. I'm just saying that it's a different time than when I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, it is important to actually be the leaders and to help create a very powerful mindset and experience for, you know, our children that's not based in shame and guilt because, you know, it, the very reason, you know, we're having this conversation is that so many of us, all three of us probably were raised with a high level of shame and guilt about 
our desires and expression and what we want in our life. And that comes really out of, uh, you know, sexuality. So imagine raising children that were making decisions based on what was meaningful rather than based out of fear. So, yeah, I think Shas is bang on there again. Like really it was, it's, um, um, whatever age it is or age appropriate or when people, when, your children are starting to experience um, some kind of sexual feelings or desires or um, exploration is not to um, vilify them or shame them about anything and just help them understand that, you know, uh, your sexual expression is, is a, a healthy part of, you know, becoming an adult and becoming a healthy adult and just figuring out who or how they want to express that with a partner and just let them know that it's um, really, it is just one of the greater experiences in life to have that kind of intimate connection with someone and be able to share that with someone. That's so fantastic. And, and maybe that'll be a good place to end because what I hear from that is just such a different message that can really free us up from from a early age in a healthy way to discover things that otherwise we would never feel open and free enough and allow ourselves to discover um and i just honestly i'm so grateful that i had a chance i could i could talk to you i could ask you guys questions the whole day and really just scratch the surface i mean you two are such a wealth of knowledge and, and really wisdom uh, in this area and in mindset work. And, and so I want to thank you so much for being on. And, and really the last thing I want to do is give you both a plug to share with our listeners on where everyone can find you uh, because this is, this is so valuable and you two are really just leading the way in the field. Well, thank you, Adam. And thank you everybody for listening. You know, where we are, it, it is actually a huge passion and purpose of ours to really help people live free and whole and passionate lives. So we're so grateful to share this. So grateful for your questions. And if you want really, you know, sex positive, love positive, money positive information, we actually offer a free resource, which is called Sexcellence. And it is a podcast. It's available on all of the platforms out there. You can also go to Sexcellence podcast.com listen to previous issues see what we're all about get our manifesto and then Ian and I also do a lot of work both with couples and individuals who are business owners entrepreneurs or just success focused people who want better relationships better intimacy and understand and want to understand actually why intimate relationship drives all of the results in their life including the ones in their bank account and you can learn more about that at the income and intimacy equation.com so just before we sign off i just wanted to say thank you for today and speaking with you again and it was great meeting you in atlanta and i'm sure we'll run into each other again in the future <laughs> in the right i definitely gym. hope so yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna ask you guys any other questions besides where the fitness center is so anyway i want to thank you again and looking forward to seeing you both sounds great thank you adam thank you Thanks so much for listening to the episode. 
If something resonated with you and you'd like to share it, please email me at adam at escocoaching.com or send me a message on social media.